Compliance. The practice of obeying rules or requests made by people in authority. This is the Pharmacy Compliance Guide with Jeff Hedges. Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Todd Urey, the host and founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, bringing you another Pharmacy Compliance Guide episode with the one and only Jeff Hedges with RJ Hedges and Associates. Jeff, how's your March going so far? Well, right now it's well, it's very windy and it's normal March. We don't know whether it's winter or spring, so we're getting ready for a snowstorm here. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I think um, Phil, the groundhog up in Punxsutawney, uh, maybe he didn't see his shadow because it has, like you said last podcast, it's been a pretty easy winter. Yeah, but we roasted him for dinner last week. <laughs> Well, that's a very good subject uh, to bring us to what we're going to be talking about today. And we all know that this is the season uh, where many of our patients are getting sick and their kids are sick and things are happening and immunizations and flu shots and a whole bunch of different things are obviously a big part of what is community pharmacy. So today's subject is pharmacy immunizations and it's far more than flu shots. So I have many questions for you, Jeff, and you're the you're the go-to guy as the pharmacy compliance guide, and we appreciate you. So are you ready for the questions? I am ready, ready locked, and loaded. <laughs> Very good. So my first question, and I'm curious about this, is can every pharmacist give immunizations? Absolutely. Uh, every pharmacist in the United States can give uh, some type of uh, immunization as long as they're properly licensed within their state. Uh, That's one of the nice things over the last few years. uh, Pharmacists are becoming more and more involved as a healthcare provider. And every state has uh, recognized pharmacists as a key member of the immunization program. So I'm always reading different articles um, regarding Um, business of pharmacy and different regulations, state-to-state restrictions. What are the restrictions? Are there any restrictions? Yes, it goes back to each state. Uh, For example, uh, there are some states that will set age limits for the patients on on certain vaccines. Uh, Some states will prohibit vaccines uh, from being administered by a pharmacist. And also uh, states like Texas will actually limit the location uh, where vaccine will be administered. Uh, the pharmacy will have to uh, declare where they're going to give the vaccine, whether it's at their location, uh, whether it's in their uh, their own locale or city, or even down to their, uh, their local co- uh, county. So I'm thinking of independent pharmacies across the nation, and I'm thinking of each of their locations. Many of our owners have multiple locations, and there's so many different team members within the pharmacy. We have cashiers, we have technicians, nurses, pharmacists, uh, obviously. So who can administer vaccines in the pharmacy? Okay, it comes down to scope of practice, so, um, and it comes down to the state requirements. So, again, we always are going to go back to the individual state and look at the state pharmacy regulations. 
they will set the requirements. They will set the licensing requirements for uh, for each individual state for that pharmacy and for that individual pharmacist. Uh, depending on that on the state, uh, they will either issue a separate immunization license. Uh, or they may, in some states, will actually part of the far, uh, the standard pharmacy scope of practice, and within the standard pharmacist license, they will be permitted to do vaccines as part of their normal duties, and that makes it really nice. So there's only one application for their license, one renewal, and one license per state. But then there's most states they will allow um, you do have to get a second license. So when I'm thinking of this, I know that the reaction to uh, immunizations, orders, anything that's um, coming into the pharmacy as an order, it's, it's standard. So I'm thinking, okay, what type of order is needed to administer a vaccine? Okay, now, okay, when you get set up um, for a vaccine, your property license, you got everything set up in your pharmacy. Uh, there are two types of orders that come in. Uh, first is the uh, written prescription, just like every other script that comes into the pharmacy. Uh, when you get a prescription for whether it's flu, Zosavax, uh, hepatitis, uh, pneumococcal, the pharmacist gets that prescription. It's a written order. You may vaccine from that written order uh, to the patient. Uh, no problems. Off you go and you take care of the patient at that point. The second type is a standing order. Now what a standing order is, it's like, uh, it's a blanket order. Uh, these documents are, uh, the baseline started at the uh, Centers for Disease Control, or CDC, and they work in conjunction with the Immunization Action Coalition up in St. Paul, Minnesota, or the IAC. Uh, they basically uh, create the template for all of the standing orders and there are currently 27. Um, these documents uh, can be amended but it's recommended uh, that you stay with the standards and they are signed by uh, a local physician and a local physician is someone within your state. Once that's signed uh, that gives you permission for anybody to walk into your pharmacy to inoculate them with that particular vaccine that's been signed by that standing order. Uh, and you, uh, you do that and, and for the period of time for that standing order. Now these standing orders, they're changing. Um, and a lot of people, they'll get one and they think it's good for years and it's no big deal. Well, uh, as vaccines have been changing, uh, treatments uh, for vaccines have changed. Uh, it is best that you get them renewed every year. Uh, make sure they're up to date every year. Uh, and talk to the uh, and to uh, to the physician and have that relationship. Now the new thing with this uh, we're seeing around the country, and it started in California, and it's also up in Idaho. Uh, the state's legislature and the state boards of pharmacy have granted uh, the pharmacist the ability to actually sign their own standing orders, which is a, again, as pharmacists are now being uh, given lots more 
uh, authority to be uh, part of the healthcare structure. We've seen it start a couple years ago as part of the, uh, with medication adherence, being part of the patient physician team for uh, taking care of the patient. Now we're looking at uh, the physicians being, uh, or the pharmacists being brought in as being able to sign their uh, standing orders. So I've talked to Pharmacist Mutual uh, to make sure that they will cover the pharmacist if that happened, and they said yes, they will. It's part of the policy. So uh, the pharmacists uh, are, are protected when they sign their own standing order and they uh, administer these vaccines to the patient. The third document is an emergency protocol. Now, this document is when, is used when a patient has an adverse reaction to the vaccine. Uh, it can be something minor or a person can go into anaphylactic shock where you're rushing them to the hospital, you're administering life-saving uh, drugs to the patient to save their life. Uh, again, in, uh, in every state but California and Idaho right now, that's signed by a doctor. However, for California and Idaho, I still recommend, and this is my personal opinion, uh, recommend that a physician sign these documents, even though your state law uh, permits you to sign them. And the reason is that you're actually uh, taking drugs and you're treating the patient uh, that's in, uh, in trauma. Uh, the reason for it is protection for the pharmacist, because at that point you have a patient in distress, you're calling 911, paramedics are coming, there, everybody's treating them. You, uh, the pharmacist needs some additional protection and having that physician signing that emergency protocol gives the pharmacist a, a lot of protection um, by having the outside uh, authority from the physician's license signing that document. Now the emergency protocol, what it is, and they do change, and they have changed a couple times over the last two, three years. Uh, that is your treatment procedure for a patient who has uh, gone into distress from these uh, from different vaccines. Uh, they do happen. Uh, we see this every year. Uh, and it's just a matter of the more vaccines you give, uh, the higher percentage that someone is going to have a, a vaccine. And uh, that's a very important thing, especially uh, having those procedures and having those things set up uh, and being prepared for that. Yeah, in other episodes, Jeff, we've talked about the importance of policies and procedures and how they're necessary in most cases. However, you were talking to me before regarding immunizations, and I, I just wanted to follow up with that question. Are you required to have policies and procedures with regards to an immunization plan? Well, this is the interesting part. Uh, with the federal government, they overregulate everything, especially in pharmacy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when it comes to pharma, uh, pharmacy immunizations, at this point in time, there is no federal mandate for a pharmacy to have policies and procedures for immunizations. However, when you go through your uh, American Pharmacy Association's uh, training program, they strongly recommend that you have a set of policies and procedures. 
Um, however, what happens is when you have these adverse reactions, okay, you're going to notify your liability insurance carrier, um, and you're submitting those claims to them. Well, the first thing they're going to ask you is, uh, please send us your policy and procedure manual. Well, at that particular point in time, you have two answers. Either, okay, I'll send them to you right away, or uh, do you really need them? And they'll say, yes, we need them, send them right away. Well, it's at that point in time, if you don't have them, uh, you're, you're in a bind. Now, depending on the insurance company and depending on how the policy is written, uh, they can actually walk away from you if you don't have policies and procedures. Uh, the other thing that can happen is, is they can take care of the claim and take care of the patient. But as soon as it's done, they can drop you like a hot potato. And uh, that's not a good situation. So you always want to make sure you're fully compliant with your insurance policy. Again, we're not talking federal statute. And again, we're not talking about state statute. We're talking about following your insurance policy. So I would recommend everybody get out there, liability insurance policy, and especially if you're not using Pharmacist Mutual, uh, and go and start reading them. And these are those thick uh, policies that are about a half inch to an inch thick. And go back about page 87 to 112 and start looking about immunizations, reactions, adverse events, and see what it has to say. And read those fine details and find out what you actually have to have. Because it's better to find out what you need today than it is two days after you have an event. Because at that point in time, uh, you're not in a good place. So it's better to find out today what you need than rather than later. And don't trust your agent to tell you everything that's in that policy. So the first thing I start thinking of listening to you, Jeff, is really about training my team. So um, what are the training requirements? Well, for the training requirements for pharmacists, uh, it's basically the normal requirements that are coming out. Uh, and it starts with uh, completing the American Pharmacists Association's approved immunization course. Every state requires this. The nice thing is, is all the pharmacy students coming out of uh, pharmacy school, they're already being trained for this. For the current pharmacists out there, a lot of them already have this. And for the folks that are not doing this, you need to. If you're resistant on doing this, you need to start doing it because if you're not doing, you're going through this course, you're not doing immunizations, your pharmacy's at a disadvantage. So once you complete this, uh, uh, the American Pharmacist uh, Immunization course, then you need to complete and maintain a, either an American Red Cross or American Heart Association CPR course, and then complete the certification. And that needs to be maintained. And then of course, maintain your state licensure requirements. Those are what you need to do to maintain uh, the ability to immunize within each individual state. So what about Medicare, Jeff? Um, what is needed for Medicare immunizations? Okay, there are two different types of Medicare applications uh, that can be filled out. And there are two Medicare uh, vaccines that fall under Medicare Part B. 
they are pneumococcal and influenza or flu. Uh, the two applications are the A55I, which is for an individual, and an A55B, which is for the pharmacy. Now, we'll never recommend for a pharmacy to do an A55I because that's for the individual pharmacist and the individual pharmacist does the billing. And if you're doing that as an individual and that pharmacist leaves the pharmacy's employment, then the pharmacy's stuck. So the A55B is the natural uh, PTN number that you want to get. Uh, That's for the pharmacy. It's filed through your normal uh, local regional uh, CMS administrator. Uh, You need a pharmacy license. You need a pharmacist license with a uh, immunization license. And uh, there's a normal application fee, but there's no surety bond requirement. So if you're not, uh, like with NSC, if you don't have an NSC P10 number, you don't have to have a surety bond. And even if you do, you don't have to submit the surety bond for that. And uh, you submit it. takes about uh, six weeks to eight weeks for it to come back through. There's no on-site inspection. It's just a process, an application is processed through, and then you'll get a letter, and you'll get a seven-digit P10 number, which is totally different than your 10-digit P10 number you get from the National Supplier Clearinghouse. So I hear stories all the time about how pharmacists aren't paid for much of what they do, and I like hearing when we have payment sources uh, for different services provided, and I think they deserve every bit of that when they're providing such value to their community and to their patients. So how do you bill for immunizations? Well, it depends on the payer. Uh, There's a lot of different ways you bill for immunizations. Okay, so we're going to start with Medicare, uh, just straight Medicare patients. Um, so a lot of pharmacies, uh, they do their regular Part B billing for DME uh, products uh, through one of two main carriers, uh, Change Healthcare or MD Honor X, uh, ERX Network or originally it was Allwin. So they finally got a name that was correct for them, Change Health. So they keep changing their name or Omnisys. So it's just a bin number. You send it out to them and they uh, they automatically bill it. That's the easiest way. And that's only for Medicare B. And um, sometimes they, a lot of times they do bill for state Medicaid's, but that's a state by state case there. Uh, when we're looking at Medicare uh, Advantage plans, Medicaid, third-party payers, uh, you may want to be looking at a more robust uh, billing company. Uh, there are several out there that, uh, that do a good job. Uh, companies like Transact RX out of Phoenix, uh, Allegiance Billing out of Colorado Springs, and then uh, Electronic Billing Service out of Missouri. All do a great job on billing of immunizations. Your Medicare Part C or Advantage plans generally are going to be billed through a BIN number uh, through your pharmacy software, and you just process it and bin it through, uh, process it through, and it goes through there. Same with your private payers. You just bill through your BIN number uh, through your pharmacy software, and it goes through there. So it just processes through, and 
that's a normal claim, normal process. The big thing is, is you want to make sure that they're being processed and you're getting paid in return. And just look at those type of uh, those claims. Don't forget about them, especially when you're doing flu clinics. Um, you want to make sure you have all your documentation in a row, and they're all being billed, and you're all being, and they're all being paid back to you. I like creativity in the business of pharmacy, Jeff. I like when I hear pharmacists thinking outside the box, and immunizations presents this kind of uh, opportunity. Um, contacting local businesses in your area, private businesses in your area to, to maybe even come right to that uh, location and do some immunizations for those employees um, of your business that are interested. What other ways, what other types of immunizations can pharmacists do? Okay, you said it right, thinking outside the box. Most pharmacists um, think that their immunizations are restricted to their box, literally to their building. Uh, this is an opportunity to go out into community. When you leave your pharmacy, you grow your business. You have businesses that travel in internationally. You have businesses that need uh, want to give flu uh, flu vaccines to their employees. Uh, same with schools, universities, churches, places of worship. Um, all of these places, they do mission trips. Schools and universities go overseas. Businesses go around the, uh, around the world. Uh, this sets you up for travel vaccines. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to get involved in travel vaccine. There's so much paperwork. I don't understand it. Uh, it's really not hard if you have someone to help you. Number one thing about travel vaccines, it's cash money. You set your money, uh, your price. What other thing do you do in your pharmacy where you get to set your price and you get paid for your price? It doesn't happen. It used to be able to, uh, people used to go to their physicians. They get their travel vaccines. Doesn't happen anymore. County Department of Health used to give vaccines for travel. Doesn't happen anymore. Most pharmacies don't give travel vaccines. Do you? Absolutely, you should look at this. The advantages are, as you go to churches and other places of worship in your community, you're providing a service to them. They're going on a mission trip, whether it's Central America, Haiti, Africa, wherever. Those are potential customers. You're walking in, you're going to give them a service so they can go out and do their work. You're in a positive environment. While you're giving them uh, their, uh, their vaccines that they need, you're marketing to them. Not you're not being forceful. You got a brochure and just say, hey, we're from ABC Pharmacy. We're here to help you. If you need anything, stop by. We would love to have your business. You go into a business and while you're going in there, who's traveling international or if they just want flu clinics, you have a business that has 50 employees. Well, a family, normally is a family uh, unit of four people. Okay. Four people with 50 peop, uh, employees, that's 200 patients that you have that can come into your uh, into your pharmacy. 
Now those folks that are going internationally, okay, international uh, travel, uh, especially if you're going through Central America and Africa, there's a lot of requirements for vaccines. Again, a lot of opportunities for money. Colleges and universities travel extensively. I have a client in Waynesburg, Pennsylvania, uh, and this McCrack, uh, they've been featured in the uh, American Pharmacist with NCPA. It's called McCracken Pharmacy. Um, I brag about them a lot. Uh, they service Waynesburg University for all their travel vaccines. They have a pharmacist who does nothing but travel vaccines. They service the university. They do thousands of vaccines a year for the university, the whole campus. Uh, imagine the money they're doing. It's all cash, work through the, uh, through the university. And again, when we're looking at this, these are all advantages. It's cash, you get to set your price. Again, you don't get to do that anymore. This is the only time. The only disadvantage of uh, not doing immunizations is someone else is still in your business and the people are going to someone else and that someone else may be 20, 30, 40 miles away. So keep the people in your community. And that's the nice thing about it. You're taking care of your community, your patients, and they're coming to you rather than going to someone else. Jeff, I have to be honest, I had not thought of it that way, but thinking outside the box, going to colleges, churches, universities, um, it's just small businesses, private businesses, that is an amazing way to be marketing your pharmacy business while you're providing a service. So you're marketing while you're actually getting paid to market your business, and it seems so cyclical and so sincere, and it doesn't seem like you're trying to schlep anything or um, you know make money for just the purposes of making money, but actually providing a well-deserved, needed service to your community. So I'm excited about this. Where do we turn for help and guidance to actually launch a program like this? Well, a simple solution um, is come to R.J. Hedges and Associates. Naturally, that's a a normal question uh, answer I would give. We have a complete, full, turnkey immunization program. Uh, We work uh, closely with the Centers for Disease uh, uh, Control, or CDC, I'm sorry. Uh, we work with the IAC. Actually, every program that we sell, we make a donation to uh, the IAC. They're a nonprofit. And our program is starts with getting started, how to set up your pharmacy uh, to do vaccines. And it starts from A to Z. It gives you everything, all your policies and procedures, all your processes from starting um, and getting everything set up and storage requirements. Gives you all the standing orders. They're customized. Uh, we give you screening questionnaires, links for your uh, vaccine immunization sheets, uh, all kinds of different pro- information for vaccines. Then we move you into travel vaccines. Then we also give you all your OSHA requirements, which require, which are your bloodborne pathogen plan, 
your hazard communication plan, all your OSHA requirements and training, all the training you're required to have, it's there. It's all computer-based training. And then the nice thing is, is you get our monthly task list so you can keep compliant with all your compliance needs. You get our computer-based training, you get our monthly newsletter, and the price is is very reasonable. You get all of that, uh, the first year is $695. That's for the first year. After that, it's a yearly subscription of $100. And the reason why we do this is one, it's an introductory program for our, uh, for our clients, okay? Because everybody looks at it. Uh, there's so many people out there selling so many different things. We want you to have an introductory program, but not only do we want to give you an introductory program, we want to give you a program that you actually can go out and make money on. Right. And that's the most important thing. This is one thing that you can make a lot of money on, and you're only limited by your own imagination. That's phenomenal. And some of the things, and some of the things we've gone over today, are just, uh, just a sampling of what you can do with immunizations. And you can just go out, and uh, the more, uh, the more you put into it, uh, the more you come out of it. And uh, and your techs are involved, your pharmacists are involved, you bring your clerks involved to do paperwork, uh, and it's it's a natural for a pharmacy to do. And our program matches right into your operations and Pharmacist Mutual and the other insurance companies have seen our program and like it. IC likes our program. Uh, It's very easy to use. You can find anything you need in within seconds. So as you walk through. That's terrific. I could see this becoming an annual independent pharmacy or community pharmacy roadshow, healthcare roadshow where they uh, dedicate a specific amount of marketing and setup, and now they have the um, terminology and the policies and procedures and know exactly what's happening, delivered by RJ Hedges, and then now the community gets involved um, and they realize that this is coming year after year, and you can call it the ABC Community Pharmacy Road Healthcare Roadshow, and you go and you tour uh, your community, your churches, your universities, the small businesses, I see this as, a, as an amazing way to start a new year and to kick off the new year uh, as healthy as possible. I like it. Well, I tell you what, Jeff, um, this was one of uh, the, my most favorite episodes of the Pharmacy Compliance Guide. It really kind of got my gears turning and thinking of things outside the box as, as someone who is a, a pharmacy's biggest fan. Uh, really appreciate the insight uh, regarding pharmacy immunizations today. Yes, it's an exciting thing, uh, opportunity for pharmacies to do, and a lot of people market for you. So when flu season starts or there's an outbreak, they don't tell you to go to the doctor to get your vaccine, whether it's the federal government or the state government or wherever. Everybody says go to your local pharmacy for your vaccination. Right on. Excellent. Come to your pharmacy. And that's a wrap for today's uh, Pharmacy Compliance Guide podcast with Jeff Hedges, part of the RJ Hedges and Associates team. You can find them at rjhedges.com. And we thank you for listening.